0: Welcome to On Culture. On this podcast, we talk about culture and faith and the world and our place in it. You can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also support our work and explore all of our content on our website, theembassy.substack.com. Here's Mike. Welcome back to another On Culture.
1: Uh,
0: I am Mike Sherman, your host. I'm joined by Kurt Sell uh, today. Hello, Kurt. How are you doing?
1: Michael, glad to be here. Thanks uh, for asking me. This is really, uh, this is great.
0: Yeah, this would be fun. Uh, Kurt's friend; he's also a psychologist. You wanted to say a, a thing or two about what you do?
1: Sure, love to. Um, yeah, as Mike said, I'm uh, I'm on staff at Mercy Hospital. Um, I've been there for uh, 25 years. I'm a psychotherapist in private practice. Um, I work with individuals, um, really, kind of older teenagers into adulthood, um, and. You know, I think it's it's great because I get to just I meet a lot of amazing people, and hear, you know, their amazing stories, and so I feel very blessed to, to do what I do and to be able to, you know, do it for so long. I look forward to continue mm-hmm. doing it.
0: And this session is free, uh, for the <laughs> listeners. Uh, there won't be an invoice uh, coming, um, but you can subscribe to the embassy at the embassy.substack.com uh so we're going to talk about um sort of apocalyptic you know where have all the zombies gone is the name of the piece uh the the piece in the embassy is kind of the show notes so it's always recommended that you read those that's why i follow up the podcast a few days after uh you know read uh basically where have all the zombies gone which kind of talks about apocalypse in culture and why over the last um Oh, I don't know. I mean, I guess there's a, you could go all the way back to I think I mentioned the original Planet of the Apes, which turns out to be an apocalyptic movie that you find out at the end. Uh, but it really accelerates, and you know, there's the Terminator movies. There's uh, you know all the zombies for you know not that long ago. We just were awash in zombies. The Walking Dead, Walking Dead still going on. Uh, but even things like Station Eleven, which is a, a series i've referred to on hbo which is really good that's a post-pandemic um you know there's that sort of thing and uh all of these the interest in them uh interests me it seems like that indicates something about us uh that we seem to be uh fixated fascinated interested in the end of things and how this story that we're in is going to end and we seem to suspect it's not going to end well uh you know there's it's not that it's not the Jetsons are you old enough to remember the Jetsons the uh the, I do cartoon? I was
1: really young I remember my yeah. older siblings watching yeah, you're, it,
0: yeah. you're a little younger than I am <laughs> yeah so that was the more there was sort of this uh parallel genre way back when maybe still in the 60s it was still alive uh Where there, you know, we'd all be flying around in jetpacks and it was sort of bright and shiny and clean. And of course, none of the apocalyptic movies now, they're all dirty and grimy and the, you know, the environment's ruined and there's trash everywhere. Uh, And so, you know, what do you, I mean, as you reflect on that, what do you think that says about kind of where we are in our culture, kind of the collective view of things in our future and our story we're in?
1: You know, it's such a great point, and I I actually enjoyed reading your written piece um, because I think people fall into different categories. I think, as you mentioned, I think, you know, um, there's a a group of people who are just, you know, fascinated with, um, you know, these extreme stories. Um, And the, um, as we've progressed over the years, you know, the. You know, the the graphics are better, the, you know, the way they can just everything is better and and it's uh, more impactful. I think there's people who watch it because it's um, it's so um, fantastic to think about. It's fantastical. Mm -hmm. I also agree with you that I think there is this idea of, um, you know, doomsday. You know, we're all headed for this time of uncertainty. But clearly, it's going to have to look something like this. Yes, either Mm -hmm. we're going to be overrun by, you know, primates who can speak, or, you know, (laughs) zombies who, you know, you can't, you know, rid yourself of. And, Mm -hmm. and so it's hard to know how much of that is, you know, people's entertainment value, and how much of that do people get sucked into because of, you know, fear, or, um, you know, curiosity hard Mm -hmm.
0: to know yeah i think i think a lot of our you know if if what i am saying is true about you know people's interaction with this sort of apocalyptic stuff i think a lot of it's unconscious or Mm -hmm. subconscious it's not like they're you know i'm worried about where this is all headed i'm going to go watch a zombie movie i don't think people there's not a train of thought i don't think that goes into that but i do think there is a i think there's a sense that you know, in my limited knowledge of history that in 1890, in 1921, you know, 1925, I don't think there was, there would have been as much of an appetite for Mm -hmm. apocalyptic literature or stories because I think that was back, uh, you know, if you, if you, uh, you know, even think about the theology of the time where post-millennialism was a big thing. And post-millennialism is this idea that the world gets better and better and better and better. And pe- people, we cure diseases and we rid the world of crime and everyone gets educated and we eliminate poverty. And then Jesus comes back. And that was, and, you know, I think World War I, World War II, you know, I, that's not a very popular view anymore because we just don't think the story, the idea that this story is getting better and better and better and better uh, seems like a silly notion now. So I do think it says something about the times we're in and how we're responding to them, uh, the interest in it uh, and there's a there's a couple of, of sort of individual uh, I guess permutations of that that I'd like to jump into but I, it seems to me you must you you did see people obviously through the pandemic, mm-hmm. people's responses to the pandemic and it it that's not an apocalyptic thing, but it was sort of a, it was on the scale yet mm-hmm. for a while there am I going to die is, are lots of people going to die are my relatives going to die um, or even is my business going to go away right. is my profession going to be ended um, is the way that life that I was used to for decades gone and gone forever and how do I respond to that right. um, you must have experienced that yeah. uh, as people came in and told you their stories and what they were going through so I don't know what your thoughts are on yeah. that, and what your you know what your observations of just humanity in that time were. So
1: yeah, yeah well, we're, I appreciate that. Um, you know, I um, read this great book years ago by uh, Doctor Scott Peck. He was a psychiatrist. He wrote the book uh, "The Road Less Travel."
0: Road less travel. And
1: you know, he has a great definition of fear in there, um, and I loved how he simplified it. That fear is always based on the unknown. We fear what we don't know. And I think that's kind of a a backdrop. You know, I think, you know, back in March of 2020, you know, there was so much fear. There were certain things we knew, but there were dozens and dozens, hundreds of things we didn't know. And you mentioned some of them, you know. And so I think what I saw was watching how people navigated fear, how they navigated what they didn't know. And I think you you know mentioned um, this a minute ago that over time this post you know apocalyptic wonderment, what is it going to look like? I think it, it divides more and more people. I, as you said that you know life isn't getting easier. I mean we have advancements, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. life is still really hard. And it seems to be dividing people more than joining people. And so I think at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, we saw um, how I saw, you know, how people, including myself, how do we respond to the unknown, what we don't know? And it's, it is amazing. No judgment. It's amazing because it was very scary. There was reasons to be fearful. And I think as time went on, it's not that we all feared less, but we started to know more. Mm-hmm. And there is a, a uh, there's a correlation that the more accurate information we get, even if we don't like the information, but if it's accurate information, um, it, it does reduce fear. It still keeps concern and it still keeps... Um, you know, we have the ability to still want to problem solve. But, you know, I just, I think watching how people dealt with fear, the unknown, was what I noticed um, most.
0: Hmm. So what are some general generalizations as to how people responded to this fearful environment?
1: So, great point. So I think if I was to generalize, which isn't always fair, but you know, I think there is a, you know, a group of people that just stay stuck in fear. The things we don't know, the, the what ifs. Mm-hmm. And that's usually what I would hear is it, that people wouldn't use the term fear. Sometimes they would, but it was usually things like, but what if this? And it's interesting. As soon as we're, our mindset, our internal discussions with ourselves. Man, if I'm having what-if discussions, in 10 minutes, I can have 10 or 15 what-ifs. And that's when I know I'm stuck in fear-based thinking. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a group of people that can stay stuck in the fear-based. I think there's a a group of people that want information. They're still concerned. They're not naive. Um, everything's going to be okay. That's not their approach, but they wanted information, um, how can we be safe? How can we be safer? How can we still run our business and be safe? Um and then I think there's a, a group of people that know it's scary, but they just want to ignore it. Okay, I don't want to I don't want to be stuck in fear, so let's just, you know, let's kind of deny it. And let me almost pretend that it's it's not a thing, or it's not as big of a thing. And and I mm-hmm. think, you know, we heard. Um, themes of that, you know, that
0: mm-hmm.
1: we're, um, were blowing us out of proportion. Um, you know, mm-hmm. more people die from the flu every year than are going to die mm-hmm. from this. Mm-hmm. And when I could give people facts, well, let's look at the mortality rate.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: the CDC has a mortality rate that goes back, you know, decades. Let's take a mm-hmm. look. Mm-hmm. And once you could deal with facts, people didn't always like the facts. But mm-hmm. the facts allow us to problem solve the facts allow us to to deal with what's in front of us present day so a quick recap when we stay stuck in fear it keeps us there it's hard to progress if we just ignore fear pretend it's not there interestingly we we don't necessarily progress
0: Mm -hmm.
1: when we acknowledge the things we don't know even though it can be scary when we when we get facts when we when we focus on the things we do have control, which by the way you know two and a half years ago, there were few things we all had control over mm-hmm. but when we focus on those, it's amazing how fear drops, concern remains, mm-hmm. but fear will drop, so again, I'm over generalizing a little bit, but just to kind of show some themes and patterns of what i saw.
0: well I, you know, I do think that's uh there are people, if you know, set, set the pandemic aside because I think that's sort of a slight apocalyptic intrusion interlude into our normal lives, sure. and sort of that's kind of why it interests me on this top mm-hmm. topic of You know, the, the connection between the pandemic and zombies is the same as the connection between a post-pandemic apocalyptic movie and a post, you know, the mm-hmm. zombie post uh, uh, post-apocalyptic movie. Um, is there's this sense of, uh, yeah, I, I'm in the story, I'm sort of afraid of the future, um, at some level that I it's hard to articulate. This art form, this story form is doing that a little bit for me, and I do think that there's probably a same sense of, uh, people who watch a, a apocalyptic movie and that makes them more afraid, or there's there's people who maybe watch a movie like that or listen to a story and they explain it away. They have sort of a, you know, this, this is why this could never happen, which is not really the point of the story. (laughs) Um, and then, uh, there's a sense of people like, yeah, this is saying something about the fear that we all have now. Mm -hmm. It's not really about this is likely to happen or this is what would happen. Um, I just, Nancy, I just watched a, a, a movie. I think it was on, amazon called i think we're alone now it's a very small little movie uh with uh you know a couple of big stars in it but um it's not it's not realistic at all but it's basically almost everyone is is gone Mm -hmm. and how a couple of people uh respond to it and how you know humanity responds to it which is uh again i think the sense of what we know and what we don't know the future the fear of it I think all of modernity wants to say, we, no, 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 we can figure all this out. We're going to mm-hmm. cure diseases. You know, we're going to, like pandemic, this is one of the things that pandemic shook us so much. I think it just sort of shattered the illusion that ev- there, there's people that have everything figured out and this is the sort of thing that can't happen anymore.
1: Right. Uh,
0: we, that's what we want. It's sort of that false certainty sure. that, you know, that's oversimplification of things that, that we saw as people's response uh, uh, to the pandemic and you know i do think that part of you know the christian story jesus talks about the future and he talks about it literally in apocalyptic Mm -hmm. terms and i don't think the his intended response for us is fear Mm -hmm. um you know he says fear not you know more than he says anything it's the most repeated command of jesus right Mm -hmm. uh and I don't – the interesting thing is sort of how we view the story we're in and our fascination with the apocalyptic themes in the Bible sort of, I think, relates to all this pretty directly, I believe. Mm-hmm. You know, some people are fascinated by biblical – I mean, there was there was a time uh, in the 70s there was this huge – you know, sort of fascination. Hal Lindsay was a very popular audi- uh, author, not in, in the popular culture as well. You know, he had a late great Planet Earth sold a zillions of copies, and then of course the whole Left Behind Left series behind, followed right, after yeah. that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which again had a lot of popular appeal outside of uh, outside of the church. So there's interest in in this uh, this whole story, mm-hmm. um, and you know the details of many of those things. I would probably. Question, but the the overall theme is the story that we're in is ending. Um, you know that we are, we are as if we're Christ followers. We are to be about the business of you know loving people, being transformed, becoming more Christ-like, being in community. You know, living productive, fruitful, missional lives. And you know, you won't know the day or the hour, so don't try to figure it all out. Uh, be on mission, um, and you know, live by faith which is the Christian response to stuff we don't know. Right. You know, such should a be. great point.
1: Yeah. I, and, you know, let me be clear. There were, you know, a, a half a dozen, dozen times where, you know, I had my own complete freak out moments. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I, I don't want to suggest that, you know, that only people who lack resilience do that. Cause that just isn't true. I mean, you know, I think there are moments and the past couple of years, especially, you know, back in early 2020, you know, were times where, you know, we, a lot of different people had a lot of, you know, freak out moments. I don't think we're not supposed to freak out. I think it's like you said, and I, I loved your piece, your written piece. is It's the reminder that um, we, we are still on mission. Um, Mm -hmm. obviously we have a, a holy mission that we're involved with. And part of that holy mission is our day to day mission. And, um, you know, living um, that um, world Christian view at times of, you know, how do we, um, how do we still love others in our own freaking out moments? Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's hard. And Mm -hmm. yet, I think there were some great examples, um, you know, right in the, at the beginning of this, you know, there came this great energy, um, you know, on the, on the internet, um, some good news. Did you follow any of that with um, John Krasinski, the guy from the office?
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You're right. Yeah. And you yeah. know
1: what I loved about it and you know, that's a little off topic, but what I loved is, he wasn't ignoring what was going on. What he was doing is in the midst of what was going on,
0: mm-hmm.
1: reminding us that there's, there's, it's easy to forget that there's some amazing things that still happen. And mm-hmm. he wasn't doing it in a way of, well, let's forget what's going on. It was mm-hmm. in the midst of what's going on. And I think, you know, for me, it's, it's really important because I can get in my, I'm such a routine person. Um, my day-to-day stuff looks pretty similar and it's easy for me in that routine to get into healthy habits and maybe unhealthy habits because i i can forget sometimes what is going on mm-hmm. um and so I, I i your piece talking about reminding ourselves that you know we're not supposed to be on mission perfectly but we're supposed to remain on mission with progress And that can look different, obviously, during, you know, certain times of life, but Mm -hmm. there is a, yeah, that calling remains the same.
0: Yeah. I think one of the things that, that interests me about the the topic and one of the things that I think is helpful for us to think about is, uh, in particular, there's, there's a, the apocalyptic, you know, series, The Leftovers, it was a book and, uh, in that, in that, That this series, a very small number of people suddenly vanish, uh, which is a sort of a different premise. So you know, ninety-five percent of the people are, are are left, the leftovers, and that so comprehensively freaks people out that you know some people just go on as if not or try to go on as if nothing happened. But there are all these sort of weird cults and. Because basically everything that we thought we believed about the world, you know, we didn't have any of this in any of our story. So this just this blows up our story. Mm -hmm. And I think it says something about we tend to fall into some sort of equilibrium, some sort of rhythm, as you said, some sort of routines. And we want to think that uh, the good life is the maintaining of this equilibrium. Mm -hmm. And. You know, I obviously that's not the you know that's not the gospel. That's not the message of the New Testament. Is just you know slow and steady. Don't don't make any don't make right. any changes. That's right. not really right. what Jesus came to say, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but at, at some level, that's what we want. And that this this idea that all of this all of the world is going to be different in thirty years sort of can freak us out, even if it's not an apocalyptic difference. Right. Uh, Because, you know, we kind of like our our equilibrium and I think we tend to like equilibrium even if we don't like the equilibrium because we at least have an equilibrium. It's it's familiar. Yeah, that's right. right? Yeah. I mean, this like I don't even I'm complaining about it, but that doesn't mean I want it to be completely turned over. Uh, cause complaining about it is also fun. You know, that's part of the <laughs> equilibrium, right? Absolutely. Uh, right. And so that's sort of the, the, the human condition. And I do think this it's, I do the reminders that our job isn't to maintain the equilibrium that we have, we're here for a meaning, we're here for a purpose, we're in a story, we have a destiny. And I do think that's one, that's so many of Jesus's stories when he's talking about the end, like Jesus talks about the end all the time. And we don't always think about it in that way. Cause he tells these parables of, you know, the the 10 virgins and the, you know, the, the, the bags of gold and all of these sorts of things. And all of the stories in which the master goes away and then mm-hmm. comes back. And there's some sort of evaluation. And, i think that applies to all of us even if we don't live long enough to be find, you know to be through the apocalypse because we're that process is going to happen to all of us either through our natural deaths or or through the end of this this age and i think this reminder of um you're here for more than your equilibrium for your for your comfortable rhythm for your pattern and at some point, then that comfortable mm-hmm. equilibrium and pattern might be the enemy, mm-hmm. and you know I'm here to subvert it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do like the, uh, it you know, the the idea that there there has to be a pro- productive subversion of my equilibrium. Most of the literature is, of course, equilibrium is shattered and the and things are bad. Right. Things turned out badly. Um, we don't have a lot of utopian. We have a lot of dystopian uh, apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic mm-hmm. stuff. Um, so I don't know. What are, you th- what are your thoughts on this sense, this this sense that we kind of want and need our equilibrium, even if we don't like it, uh, even if it's not particularly great or productive or whatever? Yeah. You know, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, and I, I don't want to get off track, so you'll help me stay on track. I think, um, you know, what I see, you know, in my practice and even in my own life is, yeah, we like, we probably don't call it the equilibrium, but we like predictability. You know, we like Mm -hmm. to be able to see just enough around the corner to, um, to know what's, what's coming our way. And, you know, I, I don't think that's wrong. I think that there's, that that's good. That's how we can um, plan. That's how we can prepare. Mm -hmm. But I think, I think one of the um, one of the the lies, one of the mistruths, is that if things if things uh, get difficult, if things get hard, we won't be able to handle it. And I'm not downplaying whatever you know air quote hard is because it's
0: mm-hmm. it is
1: hard and difficult. But I think. If we go through life thinking that we have to keep everything in order, that we have to make sure our equilibrium stays you know, equal, um, then any time that veers, any time that wavelength changes, um, we panic. You know? mm-hmm. Here's the unknown, what does this mean? And mm-hmm. I think you're exactly right. There, there must be a reason why fear and anxiety is discussed in the Bible more than anything else. And I think it is the reminder to me. And again, I am not—I've never been to Bible college. I, mm-hmm. I am not a scholar, but I, from a very um, layman's perspective, I one—I think it reminds us that um, our hope is in Jesus Christ. Our our, our hope and our knowledge of knowing um, where um, where our faith will take us ultimately lies in Jesus Christ the day to day reminds us how often I want to take it back and I want to control it and it's amazing how like you said earlier how I can do that Mm non-consciously and the more I realize that I don't life doesn't have to be perfect that doesn't mean I'm gonna get lazy and negligent Mm -hmm. but Life doesn't have to be perfect for me to be whole. I like life to be stable. I like Mm -hmm. life to be predictable. But I will also tell you the number of stories I've heard over the past two and a half years of people also telling me how the pandemic has radically changed their lives, in ways they could have never predicted at the beginning of the pandemic. And many of those in amazing ways. Mm -hmm. And are we willing, and I think you're, you were kind of talking about this, are we willing to uh, just be curious about what's next, as opposed to just fearing what's next? And I don't mean that to sound like we shouldn't have any concerns or wonder about what's Mm -hmm. next. We obviously we should. Um, but at the same time, I think there's a balance that a a recalibration that I need to look at about even for myself. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think that's, you know, a life of faith means something, you know, it means many things, but one of the things it does mean is I, you know, I have to entrust the, the, the unknown of my future. Uh, I have to have faith that God loves me and that I'm in a story that makes sense and that, uh, you know, he will in the end, uh, you know, take care of me, whatever that means, even even through my death. Uh, you know, it's not a prosperity or a healing, like I'll never be sick, I'll never die. Um, and I think that, you know, modernity and even post-modernity kind of tries to work against that by saying you can control things you can be sure you're not going to get sick just be on this diet and take this medicine and have this exercise plan and it doesn't say you'll live forever because we know that's not true it doesn't say anything at all about it but that's the sort of you know you can sort of live in this false equilibrium this false whatever and i do think things you know growth uh, as you mentioned spiritual growth emotional growth, all of these things pretty much require some level of the subversion of this equilibrium. Uh, Otherwise you're not changing, you know, growth growth requires change. And if you stay in the same place, you're not doing either. Um, And I think that's partly, you know, one of the things about the apocalypse that, uh, you know, I think one of the reasons I think it's, it's in, it's in scripture we're not told all details about it, is is to say things like you're in a bigger story, uh, that you you don't control the story, you know, have faith in me who does control the story, and you've got a job to do before however this all ends for you, and you know, however your life ends, or wherever the world ends, whatever happens first, you know, this is what we ought to be concerned with. And there's a certain requirement of faith that we don't know stuff Uh, that's we're not comfortable with that Mm -hmm. you know we're we want to know everything and have faith and those two things are at odds that at some level i have to know some big picture thing and not know anything about how Uh, and that's the part of sort of a healthy view of of that i am a finite creature i'm not gonna live forever the world's not gonna be around forever and therefore today matters, yeah. right? Yeah. And that's, I do think the whole, the, the healthy message of the apocalypse, you know, and all this apocalyptic obsession is today does matter. Mm-hmm. And not that by living right today, we can keep the zombies away, but that it matters that we have a finite amount of time before this this equilibrium where it is subverted in ways we can't predict. Yeah, and, and I think it's,
1: it's also the reminder, Mike, that we have to remind ourselves of that um, in times of crisis, in times of um, you know life changing experiences. We have to remind ourselves of that um, that theme often, and that's okay. It's mm-hmm. it's good to remind mm-hmm. ourselves that um, right now matters,
0: um, mm-hmm.
1: and again, that's not you know, I, I, tell people all the time that, you know, people who need to, myself included, who need to regroup and to, you know, kind of get regrounded again. It's not because we lack resilience. It's, it's the human side of us that wants to mm-hmm. take over. And, you know, again, that clash of, you know, my, my spirituality, um, and my, um, you know, kind of humanality mm-hmm. coming together. And there's days mm-hmm. where it, it, it meshes sure. well and there's days where, oh my gosh, it you know, it, they collide. Yeah. And so it is, I, I love what you just said. It's a yeah.
0: great, remi- it's a, there's a role of community in that because yes. we're, we're, we're not all individually having our equilibrium subverted the same way at the same time necessarily. Right. So we can sort of help each other uh, through it. <laughs> um, so I uh, let's, uh, as we kind of bring this to a close, you know, I would say, I, you know, I will continue to be interested in apocalyptic literature for a number of reasons. Cause I do think it does the, a lot of these meta themes we've been talking about. It does impact, but it also, I think is a way of saying something true about our lives now through this sort of vehicle of let's change everything. And then what's, what's the same and how do we, how can we see it differently? Um, but uh, I do think the sense of what's a healthy subversion of my equilibrium my current equilibrium uh, what are some things what is what is change and growth look like and uh, how do I wrestle with all of the natural barriers that I put up to that which probably have to do with me being comfortable staying right here and doing just this uh, and so with that I'm going to uh, I'm going to close this off thanks Kurt thanks for joining and uh, yeah and we'll uh, we'll do this again sometime and Thanks for, uh, thanks for finding, uh, on culture. Uh, don't forget to subscribe, uh, wherever you found this, uh, to, and you'll, you'll get all of these and, uh, we will see you again next time. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Do you enjoy on culture? You can support us and the content produced by subscribing to our newsletter, the embassy by visiting the
1: embassy.substack.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts.